0: let turn in our Bibles to Ephesians 5, verse 15 says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. There are many people who have begun a course of action, absolutely convinced because of some feeling that they got that it was the will of God, and you talk to them a year later or two years later, and they're just as convinced that they were mistaken and that wasn't the will of God at all. You can't trust yourself to know whether a feeling comes from you or comes from God. And often what we do is we take our will and we say, well, I've got this. Feel- I prayed about it, and I've got this feeling. It must be God's will, and it wasn't God's will at all. It was your will. But see, now you have a you have an out when things go wrong because you can say, "Well, God must have been trying to teach me some lesson," or you know. So you don't have to make decisions and choices and and be responsible for the consequences of those decisions. You can blame God for it, right? And and so that's not how you find the will of God, by looking inside for some some feeling that you will get. Um, Rather, the, the will of God, because none of those things allow you to really know what the will of God is, right? All those things are always changing. You might think it's the will of God today, tomorrow you think the will of God is something else, next year it's something else, but... You see, the verse says that we are to understand what the will of the Lord is. And over and over again, we find that the will of God is something that is knowable, that you can know absolutely for certain what the will of God is. Um, in fact, uh, we're here in Ephesians 5, just go up a few verses. Verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Now, the word prove means to to test in a way that you're you're proving the veracity of something or or you know but it's that idea that you can know what is acceptable unto the lord go to let's let's just run some verses here uh you're already in well go back to romans 12 go back we've got a few verses in ephesians as well but we'll we'll uh go back to romans 12 Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not that you might guess at what the will of God is and then see how things turn out. Not that you might, you know, just randomly pick something out of God's Word. But you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. As the Apostle Paul is describing these the spiritual blessings that we've been given in Christ. He says in in verse 9 Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Now, you notice that that's in the past tense. Having made known Not that he'll continually make known his will. Not that tomorrow some situation will come up and God will make known his will to you. But he has made known, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he he hath purposed in himself. God has made known his will. Uh, Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6. Here as it describes how servants are to be obedient to their masters, it says in verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, you can't do the will of God unless you know the will of God, right? I mean, how would you, how would you ever be able to do the will of God if you if you didn't know what it was? And... You see there, the expectation that that one would do the will of God presupposes that they can know what the will of God is. Go to the book of Colossians, just a couple more verses here, on the fact that the the will of God is something that you can know. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, Do not cease to pray for you that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What did Paul pray for the Colossians? That they would be filled with the knowledge of His will. Now, if that's something that Paul's praying for them, that's obviously something that's possible for them to be filled with the knowledge of God. And... Uh, One last verse here in the book of Colossians. Go to chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Verse 12. Uh, He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That you might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Not, you know, not just part of the will of God. Not just the part you can figure out. Not just the 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 part that, you know, that uh, you you have a feeling about or whatever. But that you could stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, that means, all these verses mean that the will of God is something that you can know, all right? Now, there's there's really a couple different ways that you can look at the will of God. And what many people do, you can can be turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, but what many people do is they look at the will of God as if God, in fact, they they take that verse in Romans 12 that we talked about earlier, where it talks about the... the, uh, good and acceptable and perfect will of God, and they, they try and make those three separate things, and they say God has a good will and an acceptable will and a perfect will, and, you know, you might be in the perfect, perfect will of God, or you might just be in the acceptable will of God, but not the perfect will of God, and, you know, they do that kind of thing. but But many people, probably most Christians, have the idea that God's will... That God has a a will for every single thing they do. That that God has a will whether they, you know, as they're walking down the street, whether they set their foot there or whether they set their foot there. And that's how many people look at the will of God. And and if you put your foot there instead of there, now you're outside of the will of God. That's not the picture you get of the will of God from God's Word. That God has, has... decided, you know, that he has a will for every absolute thing you do. In fact, what you find in God's word is that God gives liberty to man and to man's will within the boundaries of what God's will is. God's will is not this very narrow thing that if you take one misstep, you're outside of the the will of God. Uh, but rather, God's will, scripturally, is like a, a, a boundary, and you have liberty within that boundary. Let me give you some examples. First Corinthians chapter 7. And, and here's a specific example where many people believe that God has a, a very specific will for them, and that's the issue of marriage. Uh, many people approach marriage as if God has chosen one person for for them, and that they have to find that one person that God has chosen, and if they wind up choosing the wrong person, then they're outside of the will of God. In fact, I have heard people justify divorce on that on that uh, um, basis, because they said, well, when I got married, obviously this person wasn't really the person God had chosen for me, and there's somebody out there that God has chosen for me, so obviously I have to get, get divorced and go go look for that person. Of course, a lot of times they do that after they think they've already met the person, right? They say, you know, I'm married to this person, but this must really be the person God wants me to be with. Why? Because because it just feels right, right? Because their heart tells them. That's what the will of God is. That's not, that's not what these verses talk about when it comes to the will of God. First Corinthians chapter 7, um, verse verse uh, 36. Here it's talking about a father in deciding whether he should allow his daughter to marry. and it gives, he gives some, uh, some, some uh, wise advice in the passage. And in verse 36, it says, But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age and need so require, let him do what he will, he sinneth not, let them marry. You see what, what Paul says there about this father who's deciding whether to let his daughter marry or not? He doesn't say, seek out what the will of God is and God will tell you what you ought to decide, he says that if the man thinks that he's behaving himself uncomely by not allowing his daughter to marry, if the man um, dis, you know, determines that she's passing the flower of her age, if need so require, if the man determines that need requires for his daughter to be married, let him do what he will. He uses the same language later in the chapter, talking about a a widow and whether the widow ought ought to remarry or not. Look at verse 39. It says, The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Not... She's at liberty to go and find the one person that God has picked out for her and and marry him. She's at at liberty to marry whom she will. But you notice there's a boundary put on it. Only in the Lord. Right? And that's how God's will is laid out in God's Word. God's will is a, a boundary and you have liberty within that. Okay? Now, there are many things that are outside of that boundary. Sin is never within the will of God. Um, and, and, you know, those, those, those methods I mentioned earlier that people use to determine what the will of God is, every one of those I have known people that have used either a feeling or because they randomly pointed to a verse to justify some sin they wanted to commit. Okay? Now, was that God's will? That obviously wasn't God's will. That was, their, that was the will of their own wicked heart, and they just told themselves that was God. Okay? And so, so God, again, God's will is this, this boundary, and you have liberty within that boundary. Uh, go, go to another verse. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here, the Apostle Paul's talking about his own ministry, and. Verse 16, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. He says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Now what's he saying there? Paul had been given, he had been committed A ministry by the Lord. Paul says, I have a choice. I can do it willingly. But either way, it's been committed to me. It was committed to him. He was going to be accountable for it, whether he did it willingly or not. And again, there's, you know, you you see the issue of Paul's will. God's desire is for us to subject our will to his will our our will understand your will is never free you you can you know you have some degree of choice but your will can be bound to sin or it can be bound to god when you choose sin the, the scripture says that whoever you choose to obey that's whose servant you are to obey right and and you can choose many people who think that they are free by by rejecting the things of the word of god all they've done is they've just they've just made themselves the servant of something else they're not free at all they've made themselves the servant of something else and we have the the opportunity to be servants of god to subject our will to his will and that's what paul's talking about in that verse this this thing had been committed to him and he says he can do it willingly but either way it's been committed to him you see? He knew what the will of God is. And that's why as you go through Paul's epistles, in many of them, when he talks about his apostleship, right in the first, first verse or so, he says, an apostle by the will of God. It was God's will that he be sent out with this message. Okay? And Paul's part was to subject his will to God's will. And, and so within that... There's liberty. Uh, Now, there were times, for instance, in Paul's ministry where God, through special revelation, you know, either told him to go to a certain place or not go to a certain place. But realize that where we go today to find the will of God is to go to God's Word. That's where you're going to find His will. This is a completed book. It's, It's complete. There's nothing more to be added to it. All right, now, now, when people were in the Old Testament, it wasn't a completed book. When Paul was, was doing his ministry, it wasn't a completed book. But today, it's a completed book. And if you want to find out what God's will is, you go to God's word and find out what his will is. Then you make the choices and the decisions about how you're going to do that. Don't wait for God to to speak to you in some voice or wait for God to give you some feeling. In fact, oftentimes, doing the will of God means you have to go against what your feelings tell you. Because you have to go with what's right. And you're not always going to feel like doing what God's Word says. You go to His Word to find God's will. And there are many things that are the will of God for you. In fact, all of these verses we're going through in Ephesians here are talking about what God's will is for you for you. But you see, God you're you're not like you know what God said about Israel when he when he brought them out of Egypt? He talked about how he led them by the hand out of Egypt. They were like little children and he let them let them by the hand. But that's not what God expects of the believer today to be like that little child that's always, you know, always dependent on just being led by the hand. What, what he does is he reveals his will. He's made known the mystery of his will in his word. And now we've got to be adults. And we've got to make decisions. And we've got to make choices in our lives about how to do what God's word says and how to do that will. And there are, we're going to just look at, at three verses quickly, that you need never have any Question about when it comes to the will of God. We're going to look at three verses that tell you directly what the will of God is for you, and again, you're, you decide how you're going to live out that will. Right? You decide how you're going to how you're going to practice that. But I want you first of all to go to First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four. Verse 1 says, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. That ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Sanct- your sanctification is God's will. And sanctification is a setting apart. It's that process by by which God, through through working in you, sets you apart, and that becomes evident in your in your actions. Uh, whereas justification when you believe the gospel and you were justified that's been characterized as being salvation from the penalty of sin sanctification is power from or, or uh, salvation from the power of sin and that's a process that takes place in the life of the believer and, and your sanctification is God's will okay and so that means when you're, when you're tempted with sin, it is never God's will for you to sin. It is always God's will for you to be sanctified and set apart. That means when you're faced with decisions of whether to, to just go along with the world or to, to uh, stand fast in the things of the Lord, it is always God's will for you to stand fast in those things. And so it is God's will for you to be set apart, to be sanctified. It's always God's will. There's no, no question about it. Whenever there's a question of whether I ought to do something that, that is a sanctified thing or do something that's a worldly thing, you don't have to wait for a feeling or a voice or go to a verse randomly. You know what the will of God is. is for you to be sanctified. Go to uh, You're in First Thessalonians. Go to chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now you could probably make the case that that his reference there to the will of God is referring not just to verse 18 it's probably rever- referring to you know all of the verses around it but even if it's just just verse 18 it says it's God's will for you to in everything Give thanks. Now, don't always feel like giving thanks, right? doesn't always feel like there's much to be thankful about. But what is God's will? In everything, give thanks. And, and by the way, it doesn't say in everything, be thankful. Being thankful is different than giving thanks. Being thankful is talking about, a, again, a feeling that you have. Giving thanks is expressing thanks whether you whether you feel thankful or not you see and what these what these verses cause you to do is not to just run on on autopilot based on what your feelings are that's how the world operates what feels good they do but rather to operate on what you know to be true even if it goes against what you feel in any given circumstances because Whether you feel thankful or not, you ought to know that whatever situation you're in, if all you have to be thankful for is that that you have eternal life, that's enough, right? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And one last one, maybe the most important of these three. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 Let's start let's start in verse 1 just to get the context it says I exhort therefore that first of all supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now when verse 4 says that God will have all men to be saved, it's, it's not saying that everybody's going to be saved. The the word will there is not just the future tense. The word will is is an active verb. It means to desire, to will something. And when it says that God will have all men to be saved, it's saying God desires for all men to be saved. Now, that's that's an unfulfilled desire for God because all men aren't saved and all men will not be saved. But that's what God's desire is. God w- will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You know, that somebody can be saved and not really be in the knowledge of the truth. But, there, you know, they may have knowledge of that one truth of eternal life through, through Christ, but there he wants people to come, come into that full knowledge of the truth. And so God's desire for the lost person is that they be saved, and for the saved person is that they come into the knowledge of the truth. And if that's God's will, what things ought we ought to invest our time in? How ought we be to redeeming, you know, be redeeming the time because the days are evil? You see, the, the, uh, the Scripture says that God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching... To save them that believe and you know we ought to be busy about these things doing the will of God to such a degree that it looks foolish to the people around us right you, you ever you ever see somebody standing out on a street corner preaching that looks foolish to the world um, it you know hopefully it doesn't look foolish to you <laughs> hopefully when you see somebody doing that you don't you don't think they're they're crazy or whatever but those things that look foolish to the world, it's the foolishness of preaching that God has chosen to save them that believe. And so, if it's God's will for all men to be saved, our job is to subject our will to God's will and say, okay, I'm going then I'm going to let as many people know as I can about how to be saved. And I'm going to let as many people know about the truths of God's word as I can, even if I have to look foolish. And, Again, those are things you never have to question what the will of God is. I know people who, they'll meet somebody, they know they're lost, and they'll kind of have this thought, well, maybe I should share the gospel with them, and they start thinking, well, is it the will of God? Does God want me to share it? You don't have to ask whether it's the will of God. It is the will of God. It's the will of God for that person to be saved, and it's the will of God for you to, you to tell them how. And uh, that again, these are things, you know, we ask that question, not so that we can do the will of God, but so we can get out of doing the will of God. That's why we ask those questions, because we hope we won't get the feeling, or we hope the verse that comes up won't be the, the, the one that convicts us or requires us to do something. And we, we do those things not to find out what the will of God is, but to get around what the will of God is. And there I, you know, you see those three verses, those, those are three things. You never have to question what the will of God is with those things. Now you make the decision how you can be the most effective in, in going out and doing those things and sharing the gospel with people. See, you make those choices and, and sometimes you're going to fail and sometimes you're going you're to succeed. But you see what the will of God is. Let's just close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have made known Your will. That it's not something we need to guess about, not something we need to to uh, just try and figure out at random or, or any of those kinds of things, but that You've made known Your will. And we pray that You would strengthen us to do Your will. We, If, if there's anything we know, it's how insufficient we are, how weak we are, but... We know your strength and that when we rely on you, that's when your will is done in our lives. And we pray that we would be mindful of the opportunities around us to share the gospel and uh, to share other other truths of your word with people around us. We pray as well that we would be mindful of the, the evil days in which we live, that we would redeem the time and that we would walk circumspectly. We in in all these things we have a firm reliance on you on your word and and uh, on your strength to actually accomplish these things in us and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.